Chapter Twenty Five of Babu Jabberjee, B.A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Babu Jabberjee, B.A. by F. Anstey. Chapter Twenty Five. Mr. Jabberjee concludes the thrilling account of his experiences on a Scotch moor, greatly to his own glorification. Now to resume the rather arbitrarily truncated account of my gunnery on the Scottish moors. Before luncheon I ventured to remonstrate earnestly with my entertainer, Mr. Bagshot Q.C., concerning the extreme severity with which he chastised a juvenile sporting hound of his for such trivial offences as running after some rabbit or picking up slaughtered volatiles without receiving the mode d'ordera listen honourable sir i entreated him to the voice of reason it is the second nature of all such canines to pursue vermins nor are they at all capable of comprehending the why and wherefore of a shocking flagellation if it is your wish that this hound should play the part of a tantalus forbidden even to touch the bonne bouche with his watering mouth surely it is possible to restrain him by a more humane method than brute force at this mild reproof Mr. Bagshot became utterly rubescent, murmuring excuses which I did not catch, and I, perceiving that this object lesson of kindness to animals from an Oriental had strongly affected all the shooters, patted the hound on the forehead, consoling him with some chocolate I carried in my cartridge sack. We picnicked our lunch under a stone wall, and I, becoming an hilarious rallied my companions unmercifully upon the solemnity with which they had marched in cautious silence and with stern countenances as to attack some formidable foe and all to slaughter sundry braces of inoffensive grouse birds truly an heroical sort of undertaking to which the honourable cummerbund replied with his utterance impeded by cold pie that i might congratulate myself on having kept my own hands unstained by any grouse's gore true mr ex-judge i retorted but as you have already testified here i hoisted his own petard at him rather ingeniously i am more an au fait in the extermination of elephants et hoc genus omni and have hitherto reserved my powder and shot for a stag or some similar monarch of the glen however after lunch let us see whether i am not competent to kill or at least maim one of these same grouse fowls faux a repartee which excited uproarious laughter at the honourable cummerbund's expense from all the present company subsequently we were posted in a row of small fortresses constructed of turfs to await what is termed a drive 
that is until some flock of grouse birds exasperated to fury by the cries and blows of certain individuals called beaters should attack our positions hearing that the grouses on this moor were of an excessive wildness i was at first apprehensive that one might fly at my nose or eyes while i was busied in defending myself against its fellows but the keeper who was with me assured me that such was seldom their custom and indeed such as came in my direction flew with wings so accelerated by panic that they were invisible before i could even select one as my target so i was reduced to fire with considerable random presently the beaters approached carrying flags of truce and we sallied out of our forts to pick up the slain and wounded after diligent search i had the happiness to discover a grouse bird stone dead in the heather and capering with triumph called to the keeper to come and see the spoil on his arrival however he said that he could not just think it would be my bird as he had not noticed any fall in that direction but after i had presented him with a piece of silver he did agree that if i chose to claim the bird as mine it was not his place to contradict me and so in great glee i exhibited my prize to the others appealing to the keeper who basely remained sotto voce for confirmation a devilish clean shot prince sir cummerbund graciously remarked why the bird is stiff and cold already whereupon i was cordially congratulated and awarded the tail feathers to decorate my tommy shanty and during the next driving having now acquired the knack i rendered several more denizens of the air the oars to combat though either on account of their great ingenuity in running out of the radius or creeping into holes etc or else the stupidity of the retrieving dogs their corpses remained irrecoverable on taking my leave i expressed unbounded satisfaction with such sport as i had had and my fixed intention to assist on some similar shooting expedition and mr bagshot kindly promised to let me know if he should again have vacancy for an additional gun i regret to say that young howard who having only laid low a couple of black cocks and a blue hare was immoderately jealous of my superior skilfulness did seek to deprecate it by insinuating that my grouse was one which having been seriously wounded by other hands some days previously had come up to the hills to shuffle off its mortal coil in seclusion arguing thus from its total absence of heat and suppleness this is the merest quibble and to travel out of the record since of course if a bird is at all of a venerable age it becomes stiff and deficient in vital warmth long before it is popped off moreover if the grouse were not legitimately my property why forsooth should i be permitted to carry it home i presented my trophy and treasure trove 
to the fairy-like Miss Wee Wee, who was so overwhelmed by the compliment that she entreated for it to be cooked and eaten in stanter. As soon as I have recovered a missing link of my fishing-rod, which it seems has been overlooked by Mr. Pawnbroker, and when I have procured some suitable bait, etc., it is my intention to catch a fine salmon out of the burn for my enchanting divinity, and, as I place the fish in her lily-like hands, to strike iron while it is hot, and make her the formal proposal of matrimony. Mr. Crumb, hearing of my piscatorial ambitions, has, with almost incredible simplicity, offered to lend me his salmon-rod, with a volume of flies, little suspecting that he will be assisting me to catch two fish upon one hook. I am immensely tickled by such a tip-top joke, and can scarcely refrain from imparting it to Miss Wee Wee herself, though I shall wait until I have first secured the salmon. I had some valuable remarks upon Scottish idioms and linguistic peculiarities, etc., but these, of course, are to be suppressed, sine die, unless I am permitted to overflow into a special supplement. End of chapter 25 Recording by Steve Chilvers, Norwich, England